Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. There's one basketball team in Bloomington that is falling, and there's one that's going the other way. The Indiana Hoosiers women's hoops team, 15-1, ranked sixth in the country. Assembly Hall was rocking last night. Matt Schumacher on the call. And this was a team that IU struggled with in the past. Maryland came in ranked ninth in the country. Terry Morin's team with the return of Grace Berger, who was the emotional leader really late last year and into this season, suffered a a knee injury earlier in the year, was able to get back on the floor, contributed with 11 points. But the star last night was former Miss Basketball out of Hamilton Southeastern. Sydney Parrish joining us now on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Sydney. Thanks for hopping on just hours after walking out of that scene at Assembly Hall. For everyone who wasn't able to get there, and I know a lot of folks are going to begin to start showing up more and more as this streak continues, what was that arena like last night? Uh, It was so much fun to play, and it was a great environment. Uh, Hoosier Nation really showed out, and I think we're seeing um, more and more fans each game, and just a lot of loyal fans out there, and we're just trying to grow the fan base um, the more wins we're getting. Uh, so it was a great environment, and we could definitely hear hear the fans last night. Sydney Parrish, 18 points last night. Team high for the Hoosiers. Big second quarter really got some separation, and IU was able to close it out late. What did Terry Morin tell the team after the win, Sydney? Um, you know, she just told us that we won on the defensive end. We knew that our offense would come, but uh, just being able to – uh, focus on player personnel and just um, lock our heels into the ground and defend on those final possessions was really what got us that win. Sydney, uh, Scott Pollard here. I went uh, away from home to college. I, I left San Diego and I never went back. Uh, you went out west and you're back home. It was always hard for me to go back to play against like UCLA or San Diego State. Uh, it was <laughs> tough. What, what's it like to be back home? Are you feeling the love or is it just kind of hard to be back in front of your friends and family? Uh, no, I'm feeling the love. It's been great. I'm very, very happy to be back home. Um, I have a lot of friends and family that are, that are at every single game that have never been able to watch me for the last two years. So it's just been amazing. It's a great environment to be in. And even the people that I don't know and just Hoosier Nation really just welcomed me in a great way. And it feels like I've been here my whole college career. Sydney, how many people from HSE were in the house last night? Do you get your own cheering section for every home game how is it broken down here of late you know it's different some games uh, a lot of my friends from Hamilton Southeastern do come to games Um, I actually know one of my former teammates that is a coach at Avon High School now I played with her when I was a freshman excellent she just texted me and said said she's going to bring their whole team the Avon High School program next week to our game so just people like that that are reaching out um, and just coming to support has been amazing you have had a streak of double figure scoring that goes back to legitimately the day after Thanksgiving you've been on a tear you show up you know IU is back on the map. There's no question about that. That's why you made the decision, I'm sure, that this was going to be the right spot. How did you handle not only becoming 
a piece on the floor, but blending in off the floor as well. Terry Morin had a fantastic quote about Sydney Parrish last night. She said, don't look at the eyelashes. Don't look at the nails or the hair. This is one of the toughest competitors we have in this locker room. I thought that was just a perfect, a perfect explanation of Sydney Parrish. Uh, yeah, it's been great on and off the court. I mean, the girls were very welcoming. We came in with seven new players this year, so that was kind of one of the worries, not worries, but um, downfalls of the team this year that we were um, concerned about. But we just blended in perfect, and uh, we get along great on and off the floor, and it's just been a great fit for me and for the team. And I think it shows on the court how much we care and want to win with each other. Sydney Parrish. Sydney Parrish is joining us on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Sydney, last year we took a feature on Grace Berger at Wish TV, just her journey from knowing she wanted to be an IU basketball player before it was cool to be an IU women's basketball player. She is able to get back on the floor last night. We saw her with the knee brace on. It looked like she moved really well. Your thoughts on having someone like that at this stage in your career and what she's done for you on a personal level since you joined the team? Yeah, um, definitely since day one that I came into this program in the summer, I knew Grace was a competitor, and I knew um, she was just a great leader and a great person on and off the court. And uh, she's just kind of helped me grow my game. And I ask her questions sometimes on the court and what to do and just kind of get her thoughts about things. And she's just a great leader, and I'm excited to see where her career takes her because she's going to be playing basketball for a very long time. Where does this season go from here? You have the Badgers coming in on Sunday, then a trip to Illinois, Michigan, third-ranked Ohio State. Ohio State's playing very impressive ball. You're going to have three straight-ranked teams. What do you think the biggest challenge will be over the next two weeks, Sydney? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's Big Ten play. I think yeah. kind of just like what you said, every game we're going into could be a Final Four um, playing game. So you just have to bring it every single night and uh, never take a game off. Like, we can't get too high on this one because we have a great Wisconsin team coming in the next few days who just um, knocked off Michigan State, who we lost to two weeks ago. So we just got to be ready for every single game and uh, just lock in. Again, if you're just joining us on the fan, Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, we're on with IU star guard Sydney Parrish, former Miss Basketball out of Hamilton Southeastern. Sydney, I would like to close with this. Terry Morin has turned around IU to the tune that few coaches have across the country over the past five years. A message to your coach who convinced you it was the right move to come home and it's already paying off. What would you tell coach? Uh, I would tell Coach that she has done something with the program that not a lot of coaches have done before, and it's a great environment, and um, she's just done an amazing job recruiting and coaching up these these teams that have come in in the past, and she's built history, and it's just been an amazing uh, coach and program to play for, and I hope that a lot of players around the state and around the country want to come to Indiana basketball and play for Coach Morin because it's the best program you could possibly play for. Sydney, I can guarantee you, Coach Moore, and when she listens, she's like, well, Sydney, you don't you don't have to say that. I'm going to thank you. You're a big reason why. That's going to be much easier going forward. We're wishing you nothing but the best going forward. 
we are watching here in Indianapolis and we'll continue to pull for what is one of the best stories in college basketball so far this season. Keep up the great work and good luck against Wisconsin, all right? Thank you. I appreciate it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mike DeCourcy now joins us on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. We're going to step to the side and talk about what is the biggest story right now in college sports around here. Mike, great for you to come on on a Friday. I know you're swamped. I know plenty is still to be decided at the top of the Big Ten. Kevin Warren leaving for the Bears. Mike, how long has this been in the works behind the scenes from what you know? Oh, I think it's only been within the last several, you know, the last two months or so, several, the last several months, I think, uh, uh, that that he was approached about his interest uh, and and I ultimately, I think that uh, I think his ambition and his comfort level turned out to be more in the NFL space. Mm-hmm. But he certainly he certainly uh, had a profound impact on the Big Ten. And I I would say that in the current environment, I don't think that you can look at it as a negative impact. Uh, he he has negotiated uh, as the principal agent uh, of the Big Ten to uh, a vastly lucrative television contract for their properties, the one that will have the Big Ten distributed across uh, most, pretty much all (laughs) all but one of the major networks. Is ESPN that one that will not be looped in? Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, You've got Fox, which is more or less, I think, the primary uh, the primary anchor, and okay. then you've also got big, big uh, windows on CBS late afternoon on Saturdays, NBC evening on Saturdays. So they are they're, they're, and they are really well positioned there to be a dominant football brand. And then, uh, of course, on top of that, you have the addition of Southern California and UCLA, which is part of that television deal, but also a significant change in the makeup of the league geographically, not so much uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, they culturally, they fit in yeah. terms of Storied. academics yep. and, and the, and the commitment to uh, extensive sports sponsorship that is prevalent in the big 10. They fit in both of those categories. Um, but of course they're what, I don't know exactly 1500 miles from Iowa, something like that, <laughs> 1500 miles from Nebraska. And that's, those are the close schools. Mm-hmm. So that, that from that standpoint, they have logistical challenges that the next commissioner, you know, I, I'm sure I know because I, I spoke to Kevin in October and they had already begun significant work on onboarding those two schools. And there are, as I said, significant logistical challenges to doing that effectively. Sure. Uh, but uh, he, he's leaving during the hard part. <laughs> uh, and uh so the next person is going to have to push that ball over the goal line, so to speak. The work is not done. And as you mentioned, it may be the toughest part of the climb. Who are the early 
front runners potentially to replace Kevin Warren as Big Ten commissioner, Mike DeCorsi? Well, I will say, first of all, it's obvious that Jim Phillips would be somebody that would be considered because he was considered when he was an athletic director at Northwestern and one of the best we've seen. And then now he has two years-ish, three years of conference commissioner experience. So he knows how that job goes, and he would certainly be interested uh, because of his geographic ties and also because uh, he would be – I I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, certainly – I shouldn't say certainly he would be interested, but naturally it would be natural to expect he would be interested because uh, the Big Ten is in such so much more secure of a position than the ACC is. Without question. He told me uh, over dinner a couple of months ago that, you know, he really believes strongly in the future of the ACC. Um, But Mm -hmm. if I were having that dinner and he was a Big Ten commissioner, he wouldn't have to say that. So uh, that's the good point. But Kevin, you know, Kevin came from, you know, uh, a list of candidates that was in-house at the Big Ten among the people uh, who were doing the hiring, and we didn't know that that was coming. So I'm not going to presuppose that I know, you know, who the next Kevin Warren is. Sure. I'm going to leave the the uh, manifest destiny of adding UCLA and USC to Scott Pollard, our resident West Coaster here. I know he has some <laughs> thoughts about this, Mike. Mike, I, I know airplanes exist, but it, you you touched on it a little bit with the logistics on it. I, but nobody wants to play Hawaii, and, and they're in a conference. I mean, it's not fun to fly that far consistently to play somebody. Hawaii is the the one that has to do all the flying. But you know, the other teams just do it once in a while. But SC and UCLA, you mentioned it, fifteen hundred miles to the closest cities. They got to go all the way coast to coast. They got to go to Rutgers. Rutgers got to go to them. I I don't think everybody can be happy about them joining uh, the conference from two two time zones away, can they? Well, I don't think everybody is happy about that, but I think on on payday they'll be happy. So, to speak. <laughs> so um, I mean, I, I get it. Money talks. That's that's why this league is is happening the way it is, and that's why pro sports exist. But it's to me, I'm thinking about the players and the students. And their support system. I mean, private planes are going to have to be a thing for all of this because you're going to have to take oh, tutors, absolutely. the support staff. All that's that's absolutely. where I'm going with is is more of the logistics. I get the money. I know it's worth it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's going to be a lot of tutors on the road. The to student get these athlete stu- experience is about to change significantly again. You've, you're going to have to spend time in class on the airplanes, when, and that's when, all of them. Um, when when the big when the, uh, the the border regions in California questioned this, uh, there were there was a dollar figure that was put out there relative to what it would cost UCLA to private fly basically all their all the teams that would need to to play regularly scheduled games because like in track and stuff they just go to one spot they all go you know and they can and so for that standpoint they don't have to do that but for the teams that play games volleyball mm-hmm. basketball all that football etc they they came up with a dollar figure and i don't know if i have the dollar figure exactly right but i believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a million and a half dollars to basically private fly everybody they need to do wow. well, i mean that's that's like tip money in this, in this television. <laughs> that, that does seem like an extremely yeah, low that, number that's half the jars filled that we still got half a room half an open jar and tips with that mike i love that analogy yeah i i don't think that that's going to be a problem for anybody that's in this league now uh that they could that in, in those circumstances where it's prudent and they haven't 
already ordinarily done that, which men's basketball in the Big Ten, everybody has flown private for a very long time. I went on a road trip one year with Wisconsin. This was 2002 Hmm. or somewhere around 2001, maybe. No, it was 2001 because it's the year that Brad Soderberg was the interim. Mike Mike Uh, Finley on that plane, Mike? No, that was this was this was after Mike. Okay. Uh, uh, but this was the, this was their 2000 Final Four team. A lot of the same guys, uh, and I went on a road trip with them. And they and they flew to Purdue private. They flew to uh, to um, uh, to then to East Lansing private. So this was 20 years ago, and they were already doing that for men's basketball. So I don't think it's that big a step under with this contract in place for any of the teams, any of the schools, to put any of their teams on a private plane. You're listening to Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, College Hoops, Big Ten studio analyst. Many times when you're checking in on Purdue and IU, you get Mike's excellent insight either either at halftime or after the games. This is the Mower Shop in Fisher's hotline. Mike, back to Kevin Warren briefly. He was in the middle of the COVID decisions and every one of everyone who mattered in the Big Ten was here with us in Indianapolis when those games were ultimately stopped in March of 2020. Kevin Warren, you've mapped out on the television side his legacy. Uh, The other major bullet points of Warren's legacy, is it fair to say that he was at the top of this conference in maybe its wildest era to date? I think that's fair to say. Because, I mean, let's be honest. When you think about Big Ten, wild is not a word that often comes up. <laughs> right. That's not the nature of the universities that are members. They might have a wild uh, Story. football game yeah. or a wild basketball game, uh, but uh, this, this is you know this is a pretty uh, conservative league from the standpoint of uh, you know everybody uh, has very high standards. Uh, they they absolutely are committed to those standards. So they so it has been uh, very. Uh, it's a, been a very wild time. I mean, I go back to um, to when Penn State was – I was covering the Nittany Lions football program when they joined in the 90-91 around then. Okay. Um, and there was a very long vetting of that. It, it got out publicly in, say, let's say November of the prior year, and then I was in Iowa City in June of the year it became official uh, for to, to write about that. Uh, so this that was six months, seven months that it was out there and discussed and debated wow. and this and that. This was, hey, UCLA and USC are joining. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. There is no debate. It's happening. That That is an interesting lens to look at. You're right. Three decades. This is how things have changed. And look, I think Kevin Warren, I wish him all the best with the Bears. I don't know him personally. I know a few people who do. And what an addition for the Bears as they really try to revitalize with the number one overall pick, Justin Fields, all the decisions. Mike, we have you here, so I need a thought on really if you can get start with IU hoops and the injuries that have led to the defensive inefficiencies that have led to a familiar level of frustration for IU fans in terms of early season, big 10 sitting near the bottom of the conference. Um, are you as concerned about this team as most are around here? Well, I think that that concern is natural because we don't know when race and Xavier race Thompson, Xavier Johnson are, are, are going to be available again. And they haven't shown on either end of the floor 
the, the necessary uh, resiliency to be able to compete at, in a very solid and deep conference without those two. They, they've really struggled at the defensive end to, to be significant without, especially without race. I mean, if you go yeah. back to the first half of the Iowa game, they had Iowa bar- you know, barely in the gym. Yeah. And then as soon as he goes out, the defense collapses, and it stayed in that mode. For five halves now. Now, now you've watched yeah. that for, for five halves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, Mike, I appreciate you coming on here. We would talk Purdue, but let's be honest. Things are going quite well for Matt Painter yet again, and, and there's not much to debate about how steady this team's been and, and the character and hustle it's played with, so we'll leave the Boilers alone. Looking forward to catching you soon. Are you in studio tonight by chance? Uh, no, I, I just came off Big Ten today, uh, and they may re, re, re-air that uh, later this afternoon. Um, and then I will be on uh, – I will be – in the, I will be on Fox tonight at 6.30 in the pregame show. Excellent. I will be on Fox. And then uh, Sunday night we have Big Ten Basketball and Beyond, our 12th season of doing that show. Very Congratulations. Proud of that show. Yep. Thank you. Uh, I, as I tweeted before our, our, our first episode of the year, we lasted longer than Seinfeld, longer than <laughs> Sopranos, just saying, you know. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, my work at SportingNews.com. You can follow me at TSN Mike for all of that. Please do that at TSN Mike. Mike, great to hear from you. From you. Tell our good friend Megan McHugh and we say hello, okay? You bet. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Mike. Excellent. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's 2 o'clock. Your Friday's here, and Kevin Bowen is rejoining us after a very busy morning. Uh, Kevin, you evaluated the interviews thus far at the Colts Complex, and Scott's very intrigued about your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy. That in a moment. First, Jim Irsay, just one hour ago, releasing his latest end-of-season letter to the fans. Uh, you read it. We just read it on air a few moments ago. Uh, no big guarantees or big language like we heard, I believe, on this very Friday one year ago uh, on the runway, wherever Mr. Ursay was headed. Uh, it seemed a bit watered down from what we've heard. What was your take? Well, I guess we are. Uh, maybe the, today is the anniversary of the old runway video <laughs> there. Um, great, great recall on that one, Charlie. Uh, I thought it was about what you would expect from uh, again, an owner that I think just went through his most disappointing and I would argue his most embarrassing season as an owner, uh, which dates back you know to the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, nothing too grand, nothing too specific, but he hit all the right bullet points that I'm sure the public relations department was saying, all right, let's thank the fans and let's <laughs> acknowledge the disappointment and let's make sure it had coaching search and the draft and, and you hit all that and if I'm not mistaken, I think some season ticket money could be due very soon for people out there. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I would assume that was a little bit of a thought behind this as well. So, yeah, about what you would expect from the owner. And, you know, like we hear from Chris Bauer on Tuesday, now it's about actions. Kevin, would you expect to hear from Jim Irsay before a head coach is announced? Or would you are you anticipating not much from the owner's office until that decision comes down? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't – you never know with him. Mm-hmm. It's probably where where we should start. But, you know, if you've seen how he's operated this year, Charlie, it, it almost seems like we've only heard from him after the good. You know, we, we, we heard from him after the Raiders game. I mean, he, he had that tweet of, you yeah. know, uh, righteous winning and, all you know, Al Davis quote in there. And, and that was it. We didn't hear from him again after those you know, seven straight losses, which I think is a little bit different based off what we're used to. I, I, I feel like in recent years after losses, I think of kind of that wild video he shot lifting weights or you know, yeah, ahead of the home weights, opener would have been. Yeah, yeah 2020. After, after losing <laughs> Jacksonville. And, you know, he, he's, he has been outspoken after losses. Uh, before in the Frank Reich era, but this year it almost seemed like we almost we only heard from him after the win. So, you know, unless he has a change of tune, which again, knowing him, it could happen at any moment. But I, I tend to think we don't hear from him until a head coach is hired. Kevin, do you think I got two questions for you? Do you think that Ursay? I get the vibe that he's he's saying, and Chris Ballard is also saying that he's going to let his football people do the football stuff. But it it seems to me that he's increasing his influence and decision-making onto the football people. I would agree. Um, I think the venom with how Carson Wentz was handled really pissed off Jim Mercer. And he almost looked at it as enough is enough. I'm going to insert myself here, um, even though I don't typically do those things. And I think that's what you saw boil over. And you know what? This might be kind of a far-fetched idea, guys, but it's something that I was saying around the time that we saw him you know, again, demand the benching of Matt Ryan, you know, end up firing Frank Reich. I really think he went on a bit of a power trip in that time period. And if you guys remember, that was all around his public comments about Daniel Snyder. And, you know, for about a 24, 48-hour period there, Jim Irsay was like, he was the king of the NFL media world. Mm -hmm. I mean, beloved. I mean, I, I I did a couple Washington radio interviews the week that the Colts played the Commanders. And I mean, they literally were like, "Hey, can you know, can he, can he own the commander? We, we want to put him up in this ring of honor and all this." And I'm like, "Wow!" I mean, I know the comments were, you know, certainly rare for an NFL owner, but I didn't realize they had that impact. So, again, maybe it's a far-fetched idea, but part of me is like, "Man, this is, this is a bit of a guy that's kind of on on, uh, on this power high, if you will, and he thinks he can do no wrong." And that's when you know he started inserting himself, and obviously. When he did that, you know, at 3-3-1 three, three and one, and demanded the benching to Matt Ryan, I mean, the Colts only won one game and lost nine the rest of the way. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay, and switching gears, the uh, <laughs> enemy, is this just like, hey, everybody else is taking a shot at him. We're going to take a shot at him too just for public relations, just because it's a sexy name? Or do you think there's actual interest on both sides for this job? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, Scott. I mean, certainly this is what Team 15 now that Eric Bieniemy has interviewed with since 2019, hmm. which is just an unbelievable number when you look at it like that. But if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the only team he interviewed with this week. And this is the week to view, to interview Eric Bieniemy. The Chiefs will obviously yeah, play a little busy. week after, yeah, after getting the bye. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is a part of it that it's like, oh, yeah, it's just the Colts, you know, 
reaching out to a you know pretty high profile name, but you know Arizona and Houston and Carolina, Denver, they all appear they all appear to be very quiet um, on the enemy front at least. I, I I do think a lot of it is Chris Ballard. This is his closest contact, probably that you know, or I I should say the one that he has the most familiarity with from a direct you know I right. watched you coach in that organization for four years. Now when Ballard was in Kansas City, the enemy was the running backs coach. He wasn't yet the offensive coordinator. He got promoted to that yep. uh, in 2018 when Matt Nagy left to take the Bears job. Uh, you know, the the enemy thing has just always been such a mystery. I mean, yeah, there's off-the-field stuff, but, I mean, that was 25, 30 years ago. Uh, obviously, I, I think football-wise, everyone around the league kind of has the question of, like, is it all Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, or sure. is there more of an influence from Bien-Ami, uh in this? I know he's kind of had to defend himself from a – He's a poor interviewer, um, so all of it is just very odd to me. The fact that 14 teams have interviewed him before the Colts and they all have said no at some level, I, I gosh, it just there has to be something there that has led to him not getting this. And, and, and I don't think it's necessarily, and I don't know, maybe Jimmy can speak to this. I don't think it's necessarily like he's some patient <laughs> waiting. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't look at it as like he views. I mean, he's interviewing. It's that is like a theory. That is a like theory, though. That is a theory that, hey, yeah. hold out. But we haven't heard about Jimmy. Has he turned down any offers? Has he been formally offered no, anything? No, he's not been formally offered. And like we said earlier in the show, mm-hmm. he is the only offensive coordinator during Andy Reid's tenure to this point that is not wound up as a head coach at some point, whether as mm-hmm. that occupant or as a head coach later down the line. Brian Dable is that exception I'm referencing. Why is he such a sexy name? After this many job interviews and no offers, why is this even being discussed? Just Winning. because? Yes, because. Winning. Just because? because he, seven coaches, he coaches the greatest quarterback in the league? Sa- same reason that coaches continue to get plucked off of, or at least did at the time when they were at the height of their powers, Bill Belichick's coaching tree. That's just, they, they want. But they got plucked. I understand that. <laughs> I don't know why he jobs. has it, but I'm telling you that's why, is that he continues to be the most attractive name because in a year they were supposed to be down, they were the best offensive team across the league. Kevin Bowen, I, I would like you to join this roundtable here. Let's discuss this. <laughs> there is It doesn't matter who the coach is in terms of, look, if this franchise is going to get back on the right path, it's going to be a young quarterback becoming a star. And you need the best coach, in my opinion, in that seat to give you the highest probability of doing that. So where does Eric Bieniemy stand? He's been the closest contact to the top player on the planet. They've won consistently. They've gotten along to the degree where there hasn't been drama that's come out of relationships down there. He's still there. Why why does this not make sense? If Jim, I mean, where do you stand on this? Yeah, and again, the thing with Eric Bannemi, he's been the OC there for the last four years. But, you know, if you look at his history in the league, it's running back background. Yes. Not necessarily quarterback background. So maybe that is something. And in a way, I'm I'm nitpicking his resume. But I feel like when you look at offensive coordinators, I think oftentimes we just assume that it's a quarterback background for Bienemy, It's not that now, ironically, when you look at Ben Johnson, who's an offensive coordinator for the lions, who is reportedly interviewing today, 
you know, his background is a little bit all over on the offensive side of the ball. He actually was a tight ends coach right. for the Lions before they promoted him to be the interim OC last year and then full-time OC this year. Shane Steichen uh, is the other offensive candidate name that, that's been thrown around the Colts. Um, he's reportedly interviewing tomorrow. His background is much more quarterback-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, it's actually kind of a wide group in terms of ages and styles. It's currently Jalen Hurts, as he's the OC in Philly. Before that, it was actually one year with Justin Herbert and then several seasons with uh, Philip Rivers. Right. So it, that is the greatest appeal, Charlie, to hiring the offensive coach. It's that the rookie quarterback you're theoretically pairing or drafting, you can then pair them with the offensive coach. And, again, theoretically, you don't have to worry about your quarterback or your offensive system for five to ten years. Mm-hmm. That That is the greatest, I think, uh, maybe goal isn't the right word, but that would be what you'd want to seek out in the offensive coaches. Hiring anybody defensively, you just run the risk of, all right, <laughs> you too. if you do have success <laughs> offensively, and then you're changing systems. Yeah, I, I mentioned this earlier in the week, and maybe it's not acknowledging Peyton Manning's brilliance enough, but I think a big reason why Peyton Manning had the success that he had, it's because Tom Moore never left. Yeah. And he always wanted to be here. And again, yeah. after a few years, I'm sure Peyton just would have, you know, overruled any sort of <laughs> system change. Yes. But having that continuity, I think, I w- was vital. So that is a part of this process. I'm really curious to see play out. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm with you there. This is Kevin Bowen. You listen to... Uh, Kevin and Query every morning here on The Fan. This is the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Kevin, earlier this week, Bob Kravitz was on. The lingering silence around Jim Harbaugh and this opening. Michigan continues to put out these bizarre tweets of Harbaugh endorsing the continued discussions between school president and athletic administrators about a path forward with the AD and Harbaugh in charge in Ann Arbor. Um, It is now Friday. We do not know of an interview yet. Are you beginning, if you're a Colts fan, to become concerned that that interview will not ever be happening between the Colts and Harbaugh? Yeah, the whole situation's odd. I mean, you use, use the word bizarre, and frankly, that's probably a word that people have used before to describe Jim Harbaugh. So maybe it kind of surely uh, um, a little bit of his personality. But the whole situation is really weird to me. You know, is this contract agent driven? Uh, you know, it, does he really have NFL interests? Um, you know, the the report initially out of Carolina when they had their first talk was something to the effect of like Carolina met with Jim Harbaugh after you know. Carball's camp convinced them of talking with <laughs> their client. And it's like, what? You know, shouldn't they be the one trying to woo him and yes. not vice versa there? And like you said, I don't know if you guys have read the president's statement yesterday from Michigan and then Harbaugh's response. I forget who it was on Twitter, but I thought it was summarized beautifully. And <laughs> the president literally said to Jim Harbaugh, 
we love you. And Jim Harbaugh responded with, thank you. (laughs) That is not, that is not the appropriate response. For anyone who, if you have affection for someone, you know, for for you, whenever you were in seventh grade and you got the kahunes Uh to finally say it, to that special person, and you got thank you back on AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, uh, that's rough. That is, we've all been there, Jim. Oh, uh, hand is raised. It was a long walk to the bus for me that day <laughs> at, at, at Clay Junior High. But uh, again, it's just been odd to me. You know, someone brought up a really good point to me earlier today. I think it was, I think his name was Thomas, and said if Har if the Colts have interest in Harbaugh, wouldn't it be Ursay doing all the talking directly to Harbaugh? And I guess you're going behind Chris Bauer's back, but I think we're all under the perception that Harbaugh wants personnel control. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't, but I think we're all kind of under that sort of perception of college coaches control their roster. They want to do that in the NFL as well. And Harbaugh has a resume that I think would merit some of that discussion. So having said that, again, would this be Ursay doing all of that? Um, so I, I I don't have a great answer for you. Again, as of now, and, and this would be the week to kind of get – college coaches, you know, in your building or virtually whatever, because, you know, theoretically some teams are going to lose this weekend and you would like to interview some of those candidates as well uh, with, with how the process goes. So um, I'm probably in the camp that I don't think Harbaugh is like this slam, slam dunk. Okay. His resume is extremely impressive. There's no denying that what he did for four years in San Francisco, um, you know, stands out, but I, I, I just don't know if he's a cure-all, and all of a sudden you you hire him and you want to put him in the ring of honor as a coach, too. <laughs> Kevin Bowen here. Kevin, the key word I took from your answer was control, because you're right. With Chris Ballard's path forward here in Indianapolis, with what we just witnessed from Jim Irsay over the past two months, throwing in a young quarterback who very well knows when his name is announced, you've been chosen by the Indianapolis Colts. Chris Ballard can say all he wants. You know, oh, you're going to make him the Messiah and you'll deem him whatever, and we got to get it right. All that matters is that young man will know when he hears his name that that expectation has now been placed on his shoulders. And, oh, by the way, the last two names who have carried that were Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Good luck. So I hope, regardless of how this situation shakes out, for Colts fans everywhere, that there is a stable choice at the head coaching position to give this thing a chance because otherwise, Kevin, it's just too difficult. This roster isn't good enough, and I think Colts fans are already bracing for two to three years of 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 more agony, for for the lack of a better word, um, and and putting the wrong person in this coaching seat, I think would would risk ruin the one thing you walked out of this season with, and that was a top four pick. Yeah, I think so many times you draft a player and we don't think about what's around the player and the opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of give them the best chance to succeed. Again, I, I guess I'm bringing up Peyton Manning for the second time here in, in his path, but I think we forget Peyton Manning had Tariq Glenn and Marvin Harrison when he walked into the building. Right. And then the next year, after going 3-13 and and leading the NFL in interceptions, they drafted Edron James and he led the league in rushing his first year. So... Uh, when you have three Hall of Fame caliber players at the three most important positions on the offense, not named quarterback, or I should say to support the quarterback probably, that that helps you out huge. So um, I think that's a good point to bring up, Charlie. And, you know, also point out, if you look at the AFC right now, 
you do have seven quarterbacks all under the age of 27. Correct. Now, Joe Burrow has taken one overall, and Lawrence has taken one overall. But, you know, when you have Miami, and I get he's not playing on, on Sunday, but he's a huge part of them getting there. I mean, Tua was drafted fifth overall. Justin Herbert was drafted sixth. So, right there, you have two examples of guys on rookie contracts in their third years getting their teams to the playoffs. So, it, it can be done. It can happen. It's not an easy process. There obviously are misses within the top four of the draft on a rather routine basis at quarterback, but that's why we label it the most important position in sports, and that's why you get paid the amount of money that Patrick Mahomes and company make. Kevin, I want to switch back to Harbaugh yeah. Go, and that Scott. possibility. I don't think there's any realistic way that can happen because, as we've discussed, Ursay has decided to exert more influence. You said during your little diatribe, Charlie, you said control, <laughs> and that's what made me think of this. If Harbaugh's a guy that tends to want to control everything, he's going to want to come in. Chris Ballard just said he's controlling everything, and Jerem Ursay very obviously is controlling everything. I think that's too many control freaks in the same office, and I don't think that's going to be good for, for Colts homogeny to, to make a good product go on the field. Kevin, do you ever watch MTV Boiling Points back in the day? It, it feels like oh, there there would be sure. yeah. there would be enough uh, set up to potentially ignite those three personalities. Uh, I think Scott brings up a very good point. How much power is actually there for each of these you know, three? Yeah, boiling points, boy. I might need to, uh, when the kids are napping this week, I might need to dial that back up. So thank you for that. Um, I will – it was a question I had late in the year, and you know what? The the fact that Scott brings up Harbaugh, throw him into this group. If Chris Ballard or Jim Harbaugh or Jeff Saturday, if any of those three went to Jim Mercier right now and said, Mm. I want the gig, but I want control, i.e., obviously Ballard wouldn't be the coach, but I guess in Saturday and Harbaugh's case, they would want some personnel influence as well. How would Ursay react to that? Like, is Chris Ballard here no matter what? Or could he be swooped? Again, I don't think we're there with Jeff Saturday. Demerce has an emotional relationship with him, so you never really know. But again, I don't think we're at that level. Harbaugh, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. But as of now, I mean, it appears Ballard's the one running the search. And certainly the candidates would indicate that. But that is a thought that I had late in the season, how Jim Merce would, would view that. Kevin Bowen, this story will not stop anytime soon. You will follow him on Twitter, read all the updates on the fan. KB, thanks for taking a good chunk of time on your Friday afternoon. Have a great weekend, man. Uh, been a fun listen with both of you this week, and uh, I owe you that beer, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks, no, Kevin. That, that one was on the house.